Welcome to Triple Threat Thursdays, the dance studio owner's secret weapon in generating more revenue and revolutionizing their business. I'm your host, Kate Krachowski, a dancer, teacher, and studio director turned serial entrepreneur. Whether you're a seasoned studio owner or just starting out, this podcast is designed to help you unlock the hidden opportunities in your dance studio. Each week, you'll learn from industry experts, successful studio owners, and entrepreneurs who have been in your shoes and discovered the crucial triple threat, uniting marketing, sales, and instruction to ensure impressive results. We know it takes a village to build a successful dance studio, and we're here to be part of yours. Are you ready to become a triple threat? Let's get this dance party started. Welcome back to Triple Threat Thursdays. I am so excited to have Joe Naftal with me, who is the dance guru, man of the hour. I feel like, Joe, every time I run into you at a conference, you are flipping between the different hats you wear. And I'm so excited for our listeners to learn from you today. You have a wealth of knowledge in this space, and it's going to be a really fun conversation. So I'd love for you to Give a little bit of an introduction on who you are. If people don't know the infamous Joe, let us know who you are. Absolutely. Thanks, Kate. It's it's so exciting to be a guest in your podcast. Um, I'm Joe Naftel. Uh, I'm a second generation dance studio owner. My mom owns Dance Connection, which is uh, Long Island, New York, about an hour outside of New York City where I live. Um, and I've grown up in the dance space my entire life. I, you know, the little tidbit I love to tell people is I was born just two weeks before the studio's fifth. Uh, recital. So I really feel like I was literally born into the chaos uh, of the dance studio. You know, my mom had me and the next week it was like, okay, we got to finish shopping for props and getting stuff ready for the recital. Like there was no uh, beat between that. So that's been my entire life. And since then, you know, I grew up in the studio. I grew up uh, managing the studio. And then since then have just tried to find ways to help studio owners uh, and give them the tools that I always wish that I had. Um, So I've done that through a bunch of different um, entrepreneurial uh, endeavors, but um, that's really kind of what I try and do every day is find new ways to help studio owners and be that partner that I always wish I had growing up in the studio. That's amazing. And just thinking about, I have two young kids, thinking about taking them into the studio at such a young age, it's a little bit scary, but also the reality of so many parents in this space, you know, it's like your kids just grow up in that environment. And even thinking back to my memories as a student, I remember my teachers having their kids or grandkids in pack and plays in the middle of class. And it was just part of life, right? It was just part of the studio environment. And I think there is something really special about our world in that way. My kids don't go to their swim class and see their swim teacher's kid in a pack and play, but that's part of the family environment of a studio that makes it really homey and makes it multi-generational and unique compared to other kids' activities. Absolutely. So let's start. There are so many places we can jump from. You are so well-versed, but let's start with your day-to-day role as a studio owner and specifically the marketing hat that I know you wear at the studio. Share a little bit about what your responsibilities look like and what excites you most about that part of the many entrepreneurial endeavors that you partake in? 
Uh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, just for anyone who doesn't know me, uh, as a as a dance studio owner, something I always give as a little uh, disclaimer is I'm not a dancer myself. I grew up dancing um, up until about the age of 10 and then realized, you know, I liked sort of this. I was close, but I needed to find exactly what I liked. Mm. Uh, and I found much more of a role behind the scenes in managing the studio, in producing the recitals um, as I grew up. So uh, if you want to talk about plies and tendus, I might not be your guy, but all the <laughs> things behind the scenes uh, are the things that excite me every day when I wake up. So uh, my role at the studio is as the director of, of sales and marketing. Uh, and what that means in, you know, in the dance studio space, well, what do we sell? 90% of what we sell is, is dance classes. So, you know, my job is getting kids to take classes and, and continuing to grow the studio from enrollments. And of course, some of those other side things like retail and, and other things, but really 99% of what we're selling is, is tuition and is classes. So uh, my role is making sure that we have um, good systems in place for advertising. And then beyond that, once they get into the studio, making sure we have good systems to get them into classes, get them enrolled, get their tuition paid, uh, and then get them to keep coming back and to keep adding on additional classes because that marketing doesn't just stop once they sign on the dotted line for classes. You know, we want to keep that student for the next 10, 13, 15 years. Uh, so it's really important that we continue to market to them, uh, even though they're already a current student. So uh, that's kind of what my job looks like. It's all of that, all of that behind the scenes uh, operational support behind the teachers offering great classes. Because, you know, I always say, and I say this to our teachers and to our office staff, is we could have the best classes in the world. We could have the best teachers. And, and I know at our studio we do, but all that doesn't matter if no one's taking the classes. If we don't, you know, uh, make sure that the parents are happy with their experience. If we don't make sure that people know about what we're doing and the great things we're offering, it doesn't really matter how great our classes is because no one will find out about it. There were two things that stood out to me as you were sharing. And thanks for that overview of your role and responsibilities in the studio specifically. But there were two things that stood out to me. And the first was your use of the word systems. Systems are so important and so critical when thinking about marketing and selling what dance studios offer, right? It's so critical. But even more so, systems are important from the time that they do sign on the dotted line to what happens after that. I think so often studio owners forget that there's a whole marketing and sales process that needs to happen on the quote unquote back end. Just because someone has enrolled in your studio for a year, then what? There are years and years and years that if you market well, if you communicate well, if you are constantly thinking about retention, upselling, cross-selling, right? All of these ways to tap into revenue just from the people who are in your sphere, there's so much opportunity there. And I think that's a big, you know, area for improvement. I'll put it that way, that a lot of studio owners have an area of opportunity that they have is that piece of, hey, how do we think about the systems? Yes, on the front end of enrollment to get someone enrolled, but then also on the back end of enrollment to make sure they stay for really the duration of that student's elementary, middle school, high school. That's a lot of years to retain a customer and bump up ultimately kind of the average value of each customer in your studio's environment. Absolutely. And, and you know, a big thing that I, I really try to drive home with studio owners is exactly what you said, that lifetime value of a student. 
And I think we underestimate that a lot of times. We might mm -hmm. think, okay, they signed up for dance classes and it's $50 a month. You know, right. hooray, we, we made $50. But not realizing that when you really do the math on that, and, and I've sat down and, and really tried to do it to understand myself, that the average lifetime value, if you have that student from age three all the way up to age 18, you're going to bring into the studio between forty dollars and $50,000, right? Like that's like selling a car. So I think right. we have to put that same um, energy and that same excitement behind registering just that one student. Uh, and really what that means for our business long term, you know, if someone said, hey, do you want to make $50,000? We would all be like jumping up and down. And so we have to do that with every single student that we try to register. Um, and systems are such an important part of that because, of course, we have great classes and of course, we want to offer great classes. But unfortunately, the decision maker in the family usually isn't that dancer that's enjoying those great classes. Uh, they're part of that decision. You know, if the kid isn't having a good time and they don't go home and, and say they're having a great class, that might affect the parent's decision. But that parent is really that decision maker in how their experience with the studio is, you know, how their experience in the lobby is, how their experience purchasing their costume is, how their experience uh, with communications and knowing what's going on is. And so many parents might leave, leave a studio because they don't have that good front end experience, uh, ignoring all the great things that are happening in the classroom. And, and we don't want to do that because we do want that full forty dollars to $50,000 of value from that student uh, over their lifetime at the studio. I love what you brought up about the parent being the decision maker here. I've seen a lot of studio owners who are really thinking about it the flip way of the students are the decision makers. Now, I know that culture is shifting and changing and students have more influence on their parents, but we really need to think about the students as being influencers, not from a social standpoint, not the social right. connotation of that, but they're influencing the bus buying decision. They're not ultimately making the buying decision. And so it is important that we speak to both parties, the decision maker and the quote unquote influencer, but Who's ultimately making the decision and forking out the money? Who's essentially paying for the $40,000 car over the course mm -hmm. of 18 years? It's the parent, not the student. And so they're the one that we ultimately need to win over from a marketing standpoint and from a customer success standpoint, because if they're not bought in, then it doesn't really matter how much Janie or whoever loves class, she's not paying for it. And that's a huge factor in thinking through how marketing works, who we're marketing and targeting, how the systems are actually impacting families and parents and what their experience is like to improve it over and over and over and retain them year after year. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think if you, if you need any more proof of that, I think just spend a week listening to, you know, parents that call on the phone asking for classes uh, and the questions that they ask. They're going to ask, Where's your studio located? They're going to ask what days and times you have, and they're going to ask what price point the class is at. Uh, maybe one out of those 10 or 20 people that call are going to say, what are the qualifications of your teacher and what does my child learn in class? Uh, right. That's just not front of mind for them. It's all of those conveniences that are front of mind for them. So we have to make sure that our studio accommodates all of that, because if that's what's bringing them into the studio, the price, the location, and the convenience and the schedule, then that's what's going to keep them as well. And if they think that dance is something that's too expensive or too inconvenient, then they're going to go somewhere else that's going to meet those needs in their mind. You mentioned calls, and I'm so glad you did, because this seems to be a big blocker for a lot of studio owners and honestly, admin staff too, right? Your office manager. 
people are hesitant to get on the phone. Uh, I feel like more and more and more. I keep hearing about kind of the push for SMS, which I'm not against. SMS is a, a great additional channel. But what would you say to a studio owner who says, hey, you know, we're just not going to use the phone anymore. We don't need to focus there. Let's focus more on SMS or texting back and forth, or let's put all of our eggs in this basket. What would you say in response to that? You know, I think it's I think it's a healthy dose of both because um, I've met both studio owners. I've met the studio owner, just like you said, that's afraid to hop on the phone and talk to a parent. And I've also met the studio owner that doesn't have SMS enabled uh, right. phones and, and won't text. And I think, you know, it's so important back to that meeting that parent where they are and back to that meeting that convenience is, you know, they're the customer, they're driving the the sales, you know, uh, car, so to speak. So we have to meet them where they are. Um, and if that means that they're, you know, they're a Gen Z and they they don't want to talk on the phone, they want to, you know, they order all of their food on Uber Eats and they get everything on Amazon. And so texting is their first language. We got to meet them there. But uh, on this, on the flip side, if someone's calling the studio, you know, we have to be warm. We have to be welcoming. Um, you know, we have to give them all of the uh, environment and atmosphere of the studio that they're not going to get through just a text message uh, and be able to, you know, relate with them and show them everything that we offer. Because at the end of the day, hey, you know, we're not selling extension cords and, you know, uh, lumber. We're selling an experience. Uh, we're selling, you know, the hopes and dreams of parents that want their kids to grow up happy, healthy, um, and educated. And that's what we're selling to them. So, you know, it's not going to be, you know, we have lumber at $4 and down the street, they have it at $5. It's going to be buying into this experience. Um, and that comes through from every single touch point, whether it's a Facebook ad or a phone call or a text message, really making sure that we're delivering that full experience of the studio through whatever that touch point is. The consistency in the touch points really matters as well. You have opportunities over and over and over through multiple channels and multiple means of communication to reiterate the same message. And to your point, the message really does need to be about the transformation that their students will experience, not from a, they'll go from doing good plies to better plies, but what that's actually going to do for their life, right? The the mental health benefits, and you don't have to use that language, but they'll be happier. They'll be more engaged in the rest of their realm. They'll learn skills of discipline and practice, and they'll learn what it's like to be part of a team, and they'll get to explore the sides of their creative and artistic brain. There are all of these benefits and the ways that they'll experience transformation as individuals that that's ultimately what's being sold. And you can't sell that through, to your point, kind of this extremely black and white set of, you know, language. It has to be relational. You have to figure out what those parents need, what those parents want, how they want to communicate, and then meet them in those spaces so that you're not just meeting them from a channels of communication, whether that's SMS or email or phone, but you're also meeting them from a standpoint of they care most that Susie is actually exercising or they care most that she's in a team environment because maybe she's homeschooled and doesn't get a lot of relational capital. Or maybe it's he is really struggling with exploring the art side. Like he loves science and he loves math, but he has no idea what it means to let go and be creative and free. Those are the things that as you start to have these conversations with potential families and you start to really show you care about 
their students as people, that's how you are able to move them from one place to another and then also retain them for years to come. When you start to think about marketing sales, just relabel it. It's all about relationships, right? It's about meeting people where they're at, whether that's channel, whether that's touch points, whether that's what they care about, and just having a conversation and getting to know them so that they want to be part of your studio family. It's a family. And so it should feel that way. Absolutely. And I, I love how you describe the product that we're selling and, and we're not selling, you know, plies and tendus because what you're describing in the product, that's something that's recession proof. That's something that people will, you know, invest in for their children, whether they can, you know, make it work or not. That's something that they're not going to cut off. Whether or not they can do a plie, well, you know, if my daughter, if my son's not going to go on to be, you know, a dancer with ABT, maybe I don't need that. But I do need my child to be successful. I do need my child to be well-adjusted. I do need my child um, to have these mental health benefits. So that's something that a parent's not going to cut. So really focusing on that stuff, I think, is so important because uh, that is really the product we sell. You know, as much as we don't want to hear it, a kid can go without, you know, learning how to do a plie, but they can't do without learning how to do all those other things that we that we offer. Absolutely. And I think if those things are maybe overwhelming to think through, like, what are those benefits? I don't know. Sometimes that can be a blocker for studio owners who have, in their mind, pitched it one way for so long or have had their own story. Just start talking to your teachers. Start talking to the people in your studio and say, hey, what about your dance story was transformational? What about taking class? Because so many of us took class from the time we were littles all the way either through high school or beyond. What about that consistency in your life made you the person you are today? And start to use that material as ways to essentially communicate to your families the value of class. I know for me, I think about my own dance story and dance journey. I was in a ballet academy and it was very disciplined and regimented. Like dress code was always a thing. It was not even a question. And so I learned what it meant to show up looking my best so I could perform my best in class, not just on stage. And that really did translate to my ability and confidence to get in front of people and speak. It translated to my uh, willingness to stand up in a class and perform. It's in my mind. It's not a performance when it's in, in school, but perform whatever homework assignment in front of the class. It gave me confidence. It instilled in me discipline. It instilled in me respect for my elders. There are just so many things that I can think back on. But I was also able to really hone in on my creative process and learn, oh, this is how Kate thinks about the world. And this is how I perceive. And this is how I learn best. And so many things like that that I wouldn't have gotten in a conventional, even though ballet is somewhat traditional, mm -hmm. setting. And so ask your teachers for input into what transformed their lives or how their lives were transformed through dance. Because we know that if they're teaching today, they were. They were transformed by dance. Otherwise, they wouldn't just be there. You know, maybe some are, but they wouldn't just be there to collect a paycheck. I know the vast majority of people in this industry aren't there for the money, right? We, we know that that's the case. You know, I think I think asking your teachers is, is an excellent idea. I think the other group you can ask is your families that have already registered with you. You know, why did you register? Why did you pick our studio? Uh, and I think they'll give you the best answer on, on how you then market to new families because they're the ones who've already signed up. And, you know, the answers you get could be totally off from the messaging you're using. Um, right. And, you know, it could be, you know, I dropped you off because you have Tuesday morning classes and that's the day I have off. And like, that's great. That might not be the reason we're selling. That might not be the messaging we're using, but maybe that should be. Maybe that's something we have to advertise. 
you know, maybe they find out because you have the best pizza place in town right next to the studio and they can go there for, you know, family dinner right after. Well, that's great. Let's, let's use that as a partnership. Let's use that as a reason to sell. But, you know, also realizing that there's so many different reasons and, and not always thinking that our mission and philosophy has to be the message that gets people in. You know, the message that gets people in has to be the reason they sign up and then they can enjoy our philosophy and our message once they get in. Um, mm. But whatever that reason is for that family, that's, that's what gets them in. And when you're asking your families for their feedback, kill two birds with one stone and hit record on your phone. Because mm -hmm. then you have a great testimonial that you can put on your website, get their permission, post it on social. And not only do you have input and ways that you can pivot for the future, but now you also have a video testimonial that can encourage other families to jump in the fold. Absolutely. And I think so many students are afraid to ask for that feedback from parents because they're afraid of what they're going to say. And I don't know. I've always kind of looked at it like I'm excited about whatever they're going to say. Like, tell me something that we can do better. Tell me something that you don't understand. Tell me that you don't understand why costumes cost what they do or that, you know, why the recitals on this weekend. You know, because I'd love to have that conversation and, you know, show you why it is. Or maybe you have an idea on how we could do it better. But really engaging that family, you know, I'm never afraid of the suggestion box. I'm never afraid of, you know, hearing what people think. I'm, I'm always excited to get that. So I, I would encourage people too, to be open to that too, because you'll find out so much about your business from the people who are, who are your customers. One thing that we did while I was directing was we did an annual survey and it was pretty robust with lots of kind of conditional branching based on what classes they were taking and what programs they were involved in. But it was so helpful to just like you said, get the good and the bad feedback because it helped us to really be able to articulate the value, but then also, hey, why are things the way that they are? You know, what we were able to push into why it is important to have a dress code, right? We know which kids are in which classes. If they have their colored leotard on that matches their level, we know who's ready and set up for success when they walk into the door. We know that they are committed to the standard of excellence that we're hoping they will reflect on stage. And so, we were able to then even have a conversation with parents around this is why dress code is important for us in our studio and the things that we valued in that space. But like you said, you'll never know what those constructive feedback points are if you don't ask and ask more than you are comfortable with, because you will be amazed at a lot of the great feedback that you never would have received. And I know as studio owners or directors or, you know, kind of Anyone who's in the space, whether you're a teacher or even from an office admin standpoint, sometimes we just need a little extra affirmation and encouragement because a lot of times we're dealing with the negative emails that come in over and over and over again, and it can feel overwhelming and discouraging. And so you would just be surprised at the encouragement that is there as well in, in those types of customer feedback surveys. Absolutely. We're, we're doing our annual survey right now, and it's exactly that, you know. Again, 90% of them are, are positive and they love the studio and that's good for, for us on the management team. But it's also, I, you know, I copy and paste it. I take out the students information, um, but I, we have a little on our Slack channel. We have a, a kudos channel mm. um, and we just copied in there and it says, you yes. know, we love Miss So-and-so. She does this and that helps the teachers keep going uh, throughout right. the year too, especially when you get into that, like um, here in the U.S. that like March through May, like. You know, it's cold outside up here where we're on the Northeast and it's, you know, no one's coming to class and it's hard to get them to oh, come. Oh, spring you're break. Working, yeah, yeah. You're working on the recital dance, but you're missing half of your class. Like getting the teachers through that with some of those affirmations is really helpful. And then 
you know, like you said, we had uh, a parent the other day who wrote in, you know, we asked, what, what could we do to make the studio better? Uh, and she said, you know, uh, get everyone in the same show, uh, all the siblings in the same show. And, you know, first we read that and we wanted to like, throw our notebooks across the, the office because it's impossible to do that. And we spent hours putting the schedule together. And how could she possibly think we could get them all in the same show? And then we said, you know, uh, let's let's explain it to her. Let's walk her through what this process looks like, you know, and that. You know, when you have three people in one class and three in the other, and they all have siblings, the only way to do it is to have one show and it's going to be six hours long. Yeah. And then she said, oh, that, that makes sense. I get it. You know, and I appreciate all you guys do to try and get us all the same show. So it gave her that insight to what we were doing too. Instead of her being mad about what we were doing and us being mad that she didn't understand, we all kind of just came to a better understanding of, of how it works. And then she had respect for all the work that we do do at the studio. That's such a great point of, opening the curtain up a little bit behind the scenes and letting parents in on that, not from a posture of defensiveness, but just of education. I think that is such a reality of parents just don't know what's going on behind the scenes or what it takes to put a recital together or what it takes to put a showcase together. Many parents dance growing up, but not all of them. And so by inviting them in behind the scenes, you're actually also providing opportunities for increased retention because you're saying, hey, this is what's going on behind the scenes. We're being intentional about these things. We're not just willy nilly throwing something together. And that is an opportunity to to invite them and to retain them and to demonstrate the operations here. They matter to us because your students matter to us. I'd love to switch gears a little bit. Sure. You mentioned Slack. And for those studio owners who don't know what Slack is, Slack is an awesome communication tool that I feel like eliminates so much email, which I'm an inbox zero kind of gal. I don't want to be in my email, but Slack is so awesome for team communications and you can put things in different channels and faces and communicate really quickly in more of an instant message type experience. But Slack is one amazing tool and there are so many others that I'm sure help streamline your communications internally and externally in your studio. Tell us about your favorite pieces of technology to use in the roles that you play and hats you wear? Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously a huge tech person, a huge systems person. The way I really look at it, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to pick a favorite. You know, it's like, this is my favorite <laughs> child. Um, I really try to look at it as, you know, how am I replacing something that I would have to do manually or replacing a job that an employee would have to do? And I want to pause there for a second because some people like get afraid of that. And it's like, oh no, we're going to replace our entire staff with robots or, you know, we're going to lose people's jobs. And I, I don't really mean it like that. What I mean is, is I would like to take my office staff instead of copy and pasting, which is something that I think is a waste of money for them to do. And I would like to use that same labor and that same job force to impress our parents and walk around the lobby and make connections and make those relationships. So not that I want to get rid of our office staff, quite the opposite. I want to free them up from these things that I, I think are a waste of their time and a waste of things to pay them to do uh, and instead redirect them to things that I think will help grow the business, help grow our customer and student experience. Uh, so I, I would like to give that as a disclaimer because I, I don't mean it in this sort of um, automation, get rid of everyone who works for you sort of way, but really in a how can we free ourselves up? So just like you as the owner, we're not going to replace the things that you do, but I want to free you up to work then on your business and all the things that you can do to grow it so that again, you're not copy and pasting and you're not looking up something to move it over to there. So uh, probably my favorite tool is Zapier. 
uh, which isn't, isn't actually a tool within itself. It's an intermediary. It's something that allows you to connect all of the different tools that you can use together. So it can link your studio management software with a bunch of other different tools like uh, lead tracking, like Google Sheets, like Slack, uh, like Facebook ads, and kind of get them all talking together in a really easy, no code sort of way. Uh, so a couple examples that I come up with um, that, that we use it for is, you know, whenever someone um, drops a class at our studio, previously we would, and we always want to, you know, we want to reach out to that student. We want to send them a drop survey. We want to figure out, you know, what went wrong or right in, in why they dropped that class. Uh, and that used to be someone's job every week was to have to go and run a report and copy all their information over and send them an email and send them a survey and then track when that came back in. And again, that comes back to, I think that's a waste of someone's time if we can do it automatically. Uh, so instead, if someone drops a class in Jackrabbit, we have it automatically send over through Zapier to uh, send them an email that links them to a little web form. Uh, and that happens instantaneously as soon as they drop a class. Uh, so it's something, again, we didn't have to pay anyone to do it. We just pay our, our low monthly fee for Zapier. And it's like having that extra employee that can do something. Uh, so that's really how I look at systems is how can I have that extra low cost employee uh, doing that one task so that I can free up my staff to do things that require humans to do, uh, like that relationship building and, and all the extra stuff that isn't just copy and paste or do this when I say to do it. I'm so glad you brought up that this is not about replacing people. It's really about freeing up their time for the things that we need humans to do. You can't have a computer building a relationship with someone. You can't have a computer talking to parents in the lobby. You can't have a robot teaching your classes or creating choreography. It doesn't work like that. And so by freeing up the dedicated precious resources that you have in your studio, not only are you saying, hey, I value you as an employee, as a team member, as what you can bring to the table, but you're also, from a team member standpoint, you're thinking about what for them is going to keep them around long term. I know for me, I don't want to sit there and copy paste for my entire career, right? Uh -huh. What does it look like to actually get to sit in some of the, the gifts that I have? And I think as someone who is managing a team within a studio, being able to tap into the individuals that you have in your studio and really let them shine with the gifts they have, not just the things that they can do. That's really where systems can come into play and to and can free up and make those opportunities uh, for you in the, in the studio. There's four words that I think around task and systems, automate, delegate, delete, or complete. And you can automate something, you can hand it off to someone, you can say, hey, we're not going to do this, or I'm going to handle it myself. And it's really a helpful thing to go through as you think through your studio operations. Am I going to automate it, delete it, delegate it, or complete it? Those four things are a helpful framework when you think about your own capacity load as an owner, but also the capacity of your team. And Zapier is definitely one of my personal favorites as well to use and, and connect tools. I love what they've done with the newer AI feature where you can actually say, hey, can you help me connect Jackrabbit to um, MailChimp or whatever it is? And it will essentially come up with recommendations of how to connect those pieces, which is a great starting place for studio owners to be able to get familiar with Zapier. It can certainly be a little intimidating to start, but the best way to think about it is in that if this, then that framework. If this happens, 
what do you want to trigger? If this happens, then what do you want to happen? And that's that's a helpful way. Write it down on paper, type it into the little chat box, and it will give you a framework that you can start and get your toes wet a little bit in that tool. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of the pushback that I hear from studio owners when it comes to automation, when it comes to systems, comes from either, you know, A, you know, can I afford that? Can I afford to add on these other tools? And I always kind of try and flip that around to like, can you afford not to? Right. You know, if you're if you're paying that person to upload your, you know, uh, email list to MailChimp every week, if you're paying for that employee to do that thing, um, you know, A, you're paying for it and B, you're using that time for something that could be automated instead of them doing that relationship building. So I always try to really flip that script of this is something you can afford not to do when you're already paying for something else that over the course of, of time is going to cost you a lot more uh, than a lot of these low cost things. I mean, Zapier starts at $20 a month. So it's, it's something that everyone can can at least try out. Uh, so I think it's that. And then I think it's the, you know, um, am I going to be able to figure this out? Am I, you know, overwhelmed by the technology of it? And like you said, there's so many resources out there to get you started. Um, and really, once you kind of go through and, and figure out at least where to start, then you can figure out how to implement it. You know, you need, the, you need to find the problem before you can find the solution. Uh, and people say, you know, where do I start? I, you know, and for me, I, I run with probably over 100 different zaps running all different parts of the business. Um, but each one comes from what is something that we're doing that's repetitive that can be automated that we can do. And really looking, you know, like you said, with that automate, uh, delete, uh, delegate, or complete, looking at every single task you're doing through a given week, looking through every task that your staff is doing through a given week, and say, is this the best use of their time? And is, or is it something that is repeatable and follows a set of rules? And if it's repeatable and follows a set of rules, then it doesn't need to be done by a human. It could be done um, in some way by a computer. Absolutely. And if this resonates at all, I'm going to give a soft plug for a challenge that we're doing at Dance Studio Playbook. So we are actually doing a six-week challenge for studio owners or admin, whoever's running the manual processes of communication to essentially eliminate spreadsheets. We're saying, hey, we will walk you through step by step with walkthrough videos, very, very clear setup instructions. And to your point, like this is not a high monthly cost transition. This is either the $0 plan or a $30 plan. Those are the options. And we will walk studio owners or admin through or directors through what this looks like because I have seen how it's changed my own businesses that I run. If I was trying to do all of this on a spreadsheet, oh my gosh, the overwhelm that I would face on a day-to-day basis would be insane. But then also I would be losing so much money because it would be slipping through the manual cracks. If you don't have something that's double checking and automating your communications, people make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. And so we want to be able to put in place the checks and balances. So if that challenge is something that's interesting to any of our listeners, feel free to shoot me a DM that starts November 1st. And essentially our goal is to get you off spreadsheets by 2024 uh, or automate whatever is happening on your spreadsheet so that you don't have to worry about who's commenting, who's communicating, who's doing what, and then all the back and forth that goes into ensuring you get students into your studio enrolled and in, in a good communication flow. So that's my quick little plug for that. It felt right on topic and it's something I'm super excited we're doing. And I know studio owners in our audience are very excited as well. So Joe, I would love to hear as we come to a close, what is one thing that you are super excited about either personally or professionally 
as you head into the end of 2023 and early 2024 that is new for you and you feel like it's an adventure that you are undertaking? Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to all the systems things. I, you know, as someone that's always kind of running in, in so many different directions, um, you know, I'm someone that really believes in a work hard, play hard start, sort of um, mentality of, of running businesses. Um, so anything I can really do to create those systems, create that automation uh, so that I can continue to grow businesses, which is something that I'm really passionate about and I wake up every day wanting to do and wanting to grow, but then also still have that freedom to go on vacation and play with my dog and play with my family uh, and do all of those um, to their full extent without sacrificing one or the other. I think really um, systems organization and automation are really the, the key to making both of those work. That's awesome. And in such alignment with what we are here and all about at Dance Studio Playbook, we want studio owners to achieve what we call the triple threat of success in business, balance in life, and excellence in artistry. And you have to have all three. Or if you're not in the art space, but I know you are because you're a, a lighting designer. So that's your third piece. They play off each other, right? The more that we have balance in life and the more that we feel rested and recharged and energized, the better our work is going to be as creatives. If we are depleted and burned out, what's our work going to reflect? And then how is that going to spiral negatively into the success of our business, right? Or businesses. So I'm so excited to see what the rest of the year has in store for you, Joe, and what 2024 has in store. It's been so fun to connect in person at some of the, the fall events and get to know each other a little bit, but then even more fun to geek out over some tech and marketing and sales terminology today and hear more about your story and the roles that you wear and the roles roles that you have, the hats that you wear, whatever the phrase is. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Kate. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Triple Threat Thursdays. This is Kate Grachowski, and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights that you can apply to your studio, unlocking more revenue than ever before. Remember, you can do this. Tap into your passion for dance as your motivator and commit to the small changes in marketing, sales, and instruction. They add up quicker than you think. If you enjoyed the show, I'd love for you to subscribe, write a review, and share it with your team. Until next week, keep dancing, growing, and thriving.